together, shall we? Father God, thank you for a beautiful day. Thank you for life and strength and good health. Heaven's many blessings. Let the beautiful word of God touch every heart. Strengthen us. In Jesus' great name we pray. And everybody said amen. If you have a Bible this morning, you want to turn to the gospel according to Mark. Mark's account of the one gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four accounts of the one gospel. Let's take a look this morning. Chapter 1 of Mark. We're happy to have each and every one that's here. We love you. Glad to have you in God's house, and you're welcome here. I'm going to begin with verse 39 of Mark chapter 1. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away. And he saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Verse 45. But he went out. This is the leper that was cleansed now. But he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter. Everybody said matter. Insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. I'd like to try to minister for a little while this morning on matters that matter. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Your Bible teaches and uses the terminology things which concern the Lord Jesus. There are things that, in other words, matter. There are things that are, are of concern, even great concern. And uh, there are topics or matters that are, one place in the Scripture said, small. But then there's that that talked about great. So there are some things that are, shall we say, insignificant. And there are other things that are significant. There are things that, shall we say, loom high on God's radar and other things that, no big deal. It's important that we learn, just as we've often taught, you want to learn to love what God loves and to hate what God hates. By the same token, we want to learn what matters to God versus what is 
not really that big a deal to God. Now, in your Bible, for an example, to give to help you to understand what we're saying, there were those that thought it a great big deal. Jesus came into a man's house one time, and he was a Pharisee. That was the one of the particular denominations of that time when Jesus walked in the, in the flesh among men and women, boys and girls. God chose to come in the flesh. God's a spirit. He's our father. He chose to come in the flesh. He produced the flesh through Mary by speaking the word. And that which was conceived in her was of his Holy Spirit. And so it was a supernatural situation that took place. And when due course of nature, Mary providing the flesh, the motherhood, and the babe was born at somewhere around nine months. And, uh, but there came a time when that babe grew and got taller and older. And it was time for his showing unto Israel. And he went about doing good, healing all those that were sick and oppressed of the devil. And in doing that, there came a time when people, shall we say, were more and more taking notice of the power of his ministry and what he came to do. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come to the righteous. He didn't come to the whole. He came to the unrighteous, the sinners, and he came to those that were sick, oppressed of the devil. And here we have an example of this man that was a, a leper under the law at that time. And remember, during the days of Jesus' flesh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was still under the time known as the law. And so this man was supposed to cry unclean so nobody would get near him. And uh, it was a flesh-eating disease. It was a horrible thing to have. And uh, this man was so overcome with his situation that he came seeing Jesus, and he kneeled down to him. You know, he was delivered from the guy on the right and the guy on the left. He wasn't worried about people in the crowd looking, who is this guy? What is he doing? It didn't matter because his need became so great. His desire became so overwhelming that he knelt down right in the middle of everything and told the Lord, what a great expression of faith towards Jesus Christ. And he said, you can make me whole. You can, you can take care of my situation. And, uh, and so Jesus, the Bible said the motive, what a beautiful motive. It wasn't money. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't for fame. Typical normal things that people always are interested in. But rather he was moved with compassion. Compassion. And uh, stretched forth his hand and touched the man and spoke the word and cleansed him of his leprosy. And then he gave him, he straightly charged him. And he was telling him, you go and show yourself, according to the law and the teachings of Moses, the time they were still living under, go do things the right way and lawfully. You have to show yourself to the priest and he, he will evaluate you and uh, he will, I'm sure Jesus was quite confident <laughs> that you'll be pronounced clean and that you no longer will have to 
tryouts. You know, when you get the real thing, okay, not religion, but you get salvation, and there's a huge difference. The Pharisees, the denominations of their time and the ones that we have in our day, they, uh, they just offer religion. That's all they offer. A lot of ceremonial things. But salvation, now that belongeth unto God. And for you to get the salvation that belongeth unto God, people are going to sit up and take notice. They're going to realize that there's been a change in you. We had, we have somebody here this morning that the job that they're working in, they're brand new. They've only been coming here for a little while. And, and it, just like I remember for myself when I first came over 40 years ago, and it was all brand new to me. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I had never read the Bible. And I was down here in Miami in this southern part of the state of Florida, and and I came from the north, and uh, everything was new and different. I was going to college, and, and uh, I got witness to. I began to read the Bible. And uh, the gentleman, after a couple of weeks, he invited me to go to church with him. And uh, so I, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to go to church. Well, after I picked her up off the ground, because she fainted on that. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So. I said, you know, and, and she was amazed because it was that alone was such a huge difference in me that I wanted to go to church. And, uh, but she had seen a, a good improvement in me over the, those last few weeks, and she kind of wondered, and she thought maybe it was just another fad, that I, another phase that I was going through. And so uh, anyway, we, we went to church, and what a, what a tremendous experience it was. People gathered together and that they worshiped God and they praised Him and they magnified Him and they were happy and smiling and excited. And, and I remember us going out across the parking lot and leaving and, and I said, well, what'd you think? And she said, well, it sure was different. And, you know, I guess so. We thought we were in the center field bleachers of Yankee Stadium. They didn't realize a church could be like that. They didn't realize that you, you know, clapped your hands like that. You raised your hands and you cried out and hallelujah and praise God and that you weren't worried about the person on the right or the left or in front or behind, that you, you, were, you were trying to get God's attention and you were giving him praise and glory that belongs and is to his, do his name. And so uh, I remember telling her, I said, well, you know what? I said, it was different. I said, they've got something that I don't have. And I said, and I want it. And it was shortly after that that we were both baptized according to the Bible, chapter and verse, in water, in the name of Jesus Christ. That was for the remission or the full pardon, the Bible said, of all of our sins. And uh, no, the water didn't turn red because only the blood of Jesus can take away your sin, but the blood is in his name. That's why it is so important to be baptized in the name of the Father. And Jesus said, I am come in my Father's name. He never brought any other name but the name of Jesus Christ. And so as you read your Bible and you pay attention and you watch every example of baptism in the New Testament church, then you see that they baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They knew that Jesus Christ was the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Ghost. 
and your Bible said to be baptized in the name. Okay? And so if you stay with the Bible and you stay with chapter and verse, then you're going to get the salvation of God. And so, just like this young man I was telling you about, he goes on the job and he had been quite a drinker. But now in coming to church, he in praying and asking God, he no longer has a desire to drink. You know, God can change your desires for the good. He takes out the bad, but he doesn't leave you empty. He's going to fill you with the good desires. He's going to put the right thing in its place. And people on his job are taking notice that when they go out to drink after work, that he's not drinking liquor, not guzzling down a beer. Been a change here. Boy, you really have been changed. Well, that's what I'm saying to you, that, that people are going to take notice when you really get God's salvation, when you get God's salvation. Most of the time when you get religion, people just think you're a little weird and kooky and that, you know, you got some oddities about you and maybe you, you're, uh, you know, just playing around a little bit and they figure, and usually rightly so, that it'll, it'll tone down and it'll wear off and you'll go back to the old ways. But not so when you get salvation. Not so when you get this great truth in your life. And uh, there was a time during Jesus' earthly ministry that these people in their religion, that Jesus was invited over a man's house of a particular denomination, and he went in and sat down to eat. And the man marveled that Jesus had not washed before he ate. And they were very big on that. That was just a big thing to them. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that they, to them, that was a great matter. That was a big thing. But Jesus just came in and sat down and began to eat. He just ignored it. He didn't pay it any mind at all. And uh, Jesus told them. He said, you know what? He said, you folks, he said, you, you pay a lot of attention. I'm putting it in words that you can understand. You pay a lot of attention to things that don't matter. You worry about the washing of pots and cups and things like that. He said, but you ignore the weightier matters, the more significant matters, the things that really count. You ignore those things. You overlook those things. You don't pay those things any mind at all. You kind of got it backwards here. He told them, you're all about the outside of the cup. But he taught them, he said, first, you clean up the inside of the cup. He's telling them, you got to get your heart right. Not the physical pump down here pumping the blood. The seat of your thoughts, your intellect and your emotions, your heart, you've got you to get that cleaned up. Because he said, you know what? It's not what you put in. He said, that's going to go through the whole digestive system and out to draught. He said, but it's what's in your heart and comes out. He said, that's what defiles a man. He said, and you folks 
are filled with extortion and excess. Evil heart. We say, you need to work on that. That's, that's what matters. That's what God's looking at. That's what's going to be judged in that day. Talking to you about a matter that matters. <laughs> Something that is great. Something that is significant. Something that gets God's attention. And he's looking right at it. So many things that, you know, Jesus said now, there's some of those things that aren't so important. He said, okay. He said, you should do that. That's good. He said, but you should not leave this undone. If, if, if anything's going to be overlooked or bypassed, he said, it's, it's those little things you, you put so much store by, you set so much store by, you, you feel are so important. He said, those things, you know. He said, but this, judgment, mercy, faith, he said, you oughtn't to overlook those things. You better pay attention to those matters because they matter. They count. They're going to be there, weighed in the balance in that day. You don't want to go bypassing and treating it like it's nothing and ignoring it. There are people that are good orators. That's in your Bible, too. They're speech makers. They can, they're wordsmiths. They have silver tongues. They can do that. They can put it out there. And uh, nowadays, you know, they can add much accompaniment. They, you got light shows going on now. All kinds of things that, you know, the gambling casinos, they've hired behavioral scientists long ago to study human behavior, what motivates humans, and how you can get them to do what you want them to do. And in their betting parlors, they have certain lighting. They have certain music. Everything is done in a manner and a way to induce people to gamble. And there are, there's something about our sensory perceptions that we get, we get all wowed about certain things. We get our buttons pushed. And uh, they've carried that into the religious world. And it's a big thing now to have the light show and uh, other things that they accompany with it. And they have people who can orate and speak. And, but you know what? It's so sad when you, when you get down to the, when you ought to have the good punchline, they don't have anything. They don't have anything. They want to tell you that, make a decision for Christ. Never read that in the Bible. Never read those instructions one time. They tell you to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. Never read that in the Bible. Those instructions were never given one time. Accept him as your personal Savior. Never read that in the Bible. Not one time. You know, when the Bible uses the word receive, sometimes people want to twist that word or make it something different than what it means. But you've got to think of receive in the light of 
rejecting. Don't reject, receive. That's what it boils down to. That the, the words of God, the scriptures, the chapter and verse, the subject matter, for you to receive that means that you're not rejecting that. It means that you're going to meet it with faith. Jesus said over and over, only believe. What am I to believe? Well, the Bible said you're to believe on him as the scripture has said. What is the scripture saying? Well, here we have the first day of the church. Jesus has given his flesh, his body on the cross. And three days later, as he said, he rose again from the dead. That means on the cross, the spirit withdrew. Three days later, the spirit reentered that body, raised it up. There's only one God. He is our Father. Amen. And when he rose again from the dead, then he went about once again visiting, appearing, showing his disciples that he was truly risen from the dead. Well, here came one fellow out of the among the twelve. He had said, he had said, I don't believe it, lest I put my hand in his side and in the nail places where the nails were in his hand. He said, I, I won't believe. And so Jesus, in the midst of the crowd, he simply said, okay, come on, bring it on, come on. I never read where Thomas did that. I read where he, he fell down quite quickly, and he said, he said, my Lord and my God. Woo! Yes, Lord. Let me tell you, what our God does is very convincing, very convincing. One man, Jesus told him that he was a, an individual without any sneakiness about him. That's a lesson you could learn. Without any guile about him. said, where do you know me from? <laughs> and he said, well, I knew you before. You, I saw you before you under that fig tree back there. And the, the man was immediately convinced that this was the Christ. This was the Christ. A woman comes to draw water. Jesus being wearied with his journey, the days of his flesh, he sat on the, the well and and he began to converse with the woman. And this woman was not a Jewish woman. And that the Jews had nothing to do with non-Jew people at that time. And uh, so Jesus begins to talk with her. And uh, finally, he said, why don't you go get your husband? And she said, I don't have a husband. He said, well, he said, that's right, because you've had five, and the one you got right now is not your husband. Well, that, that put her in a foot race. She ran to town, said, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. <laughs> Very convincing. Very convincing. There are things that God wants to do in your life to show you and convince you that he is real. Receive that. Don't reject that. Embrace that. The Bible said that they brought a woman to Jesus, they basically threw her at his feet and said that she was caught in the very act of sin. 
and that the law of Moses, that's the time period they were living under, said that she should be stoned. What do you say, Master? And they had their rocks ready. They were going to stone her. And Jesus said, well, he that's without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. And he went to just kind of ignoring the situation, writing in the sand. Next time he looked up, the whole place was empty. The reason it was empty is because they were convicted of their own conscience. There are a lot of people that do not like that feeling. They run from that feeling. They don't like to feel conviction. But I'm, The old Indians used to teach the young Indians when the weather was really cold. They would have to run through the woods in their training, and they taught them to learn to embrace the cold. The cold is your friend, not your enemy. Conviction, I'm trying to say, is your friend, not your enemy. Conviction comes to turn on the light and show you what matters to God, to help you to realize, I need to... I need to see the importance of this. I need to embrace this. I need to get the truth of this. And you know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You want to you get the truth here. You don't want just religion. You don't want just things that people say are important and they ignore the things of God. You know, the Bible said, there's certain traditions that they had, and Jesus pointed it out. And he could have pointed out many, many, many things, but he honed in on one particular thing. And he told them, in, doing, in saying what you're saying and teaching what you're teaching, he said, you're full well rejecting the commandment of God that you might hold to your own tradition. Full well rejecting. That really means you're overriding conviction. You're overriding truth. How could you do what you're doing? Well, the mind is a very powerful thing. And it can override the conscience, that faculty in you, that God put in your mind that tells you right from wrong. We've got a world that's filled with people that are psychopaths, sociopaths. They, they have no feelings along certain lines. One place in the Scripture used the terminology past feelings, even to the point that Christ can become of non-effect to you. You want to feel the full effect of Jesus Christ. You want to embrace, much like Simeon when they brought that child, that baby, eight days old to him. And the Holy Ghost had told him, you're not going to depart this life till you've seen the Lord's Christ. When that young couple, Joseph and Mary, came in with that baby friend, that was a red-letter day for Simeon. He came alive, sure enough, at his advanced age. They handed that baby, much like we'll do this morning, for dedication. And they handed that baby over. And when they did, Simeon held that child up and said, Lord, now I can depart in peace, having embraced this child. Now... I can depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. And he went on to speak many things about this child. I am telling you that you don't want to fight God. You don't want to fight 
conviction. You don't want to full well reject the commandment of God that you could have your own way. You want to focus in on and dial in on things that matter, things that concern the Lord Jesus Christ. Sat at dinner with that guy in the days of his flesh and made it clear there's certain things you're holding to that you think are so important. He said, they're nothing. They don't matter at all. Baptism matters to God. Jesus made it clear. I think he made it clear. It's right there in the Bible, John 3, 3 and 5. That's the same chapter where it tells you that God so loved the world. That is the Spirit. God is the Spirit. John 4, 24. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. He gave the flesh. The Spirit gave the flesh. That's Hebrews when it tells you a body hast thou prepared. A sacrifice. Spirit, so loved the world, gave the flesh that whosoever believeth in him, that, that's not rejecting what he's bringing, but embracing it. Yeah. Said you wouldn't perish, but you'd have eternal life. How do we get there? What do we do? Jesus said, Well, you must be born again. Very smart, educated well-positioned man said, how do I do that? And the second time in my mother's womb? Aren't you glad that Jesus is so patient? I mean, you know, he could have just really, but he just answered him directly. And he said, you must be born again of water and of the Spirit, or you cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. I guess he could have gone, why don't you come with me? I'll demonstrate it for you. Jesus comes to John, and John points him out in front of everybody. Jesus come to be baptized. John said, well, I need to be baptized. Basically, in vocabulary, Jesus said, shut up, John. Just do what I tell you. We have to be example of righteousness to everybody. Got to show them the right way. We can't just tell them we got to do it. So John said when Jesus came up out of then there's a upon him of a how to be born baptized up out of the warning of water that is spread into your life of thought about oh gift holy ghost of the holy ghost shake hands and people want to give a card and people want to make a decision all kinds of things like that but see that's not in the bible but people full well reject the commandment of god they just ignore where jesus taught over and over about and told you about receive jesus receive the holy ghost that's what Jesus said. He said, and after that happens, he said, you're going to receive power, Acts 1 and 8. You're going to receive power to be a witness unto all the world. Yeah. And so, the number being about 120, because he's risen from the dead now, he showed himself alive with many infallible proofs. He's given them last-minute instructions. Repentance and remission of sins to be preached in my name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. He told them, you're witnesses of these things because I've, I've told you. And he told them that you go. You tarry in the city of Jerusalem. You wait there until you be endued, 
clothed upon with power from on high with the promise of the Father, the promise of the Spirit. And so they did. That is about, according to Acts chapter 1, about 120 of them did. About 380 full well rejected the instructions of Jesus Christ, the commandments of Jesus Christ. And they did their own thing, carried on with their own ideas of how they wanted to do things. But about 120, among them Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, and Bartholomew, and Mary, the mother of the flesh, and the other devout women, they, they went to the upper room in the city of Jerusalem, as Jesus had told them. They obeyed the word of the Lord Jesus. And they gathered together and they began to pray and praise and worship, waiting for the promise. And the Bible said that on that certain day, which signified the day of the ingathering of the fruits, of the first fruits of the harvest, The Bible said they were all filled with the Holy Ghost because there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were worshiping. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God, the gift of eternal life. They were born again of the Spirit. They all begin to speak with other tongues, or that means languages but it wasn't as they learned in school or even from their parents. Not at all. But it was as God's Spirit gave the ability. It was the biblical sign that somebody had received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Not the only sign, but the initial sign. And that having taken place, the Bible teaches that all the 17-plus nations that were gathered together in Jerusalem and were around about where this great outpouring of God's Spirit took place. They asked the question, they said, how hear we every man in our own language wherein we were born? These are all Galileans. How is that? And, of course, the devil had to rise up to his son and say, oh, they're just drunk. They're just drunk. Peter tackled that one right away when he stood forth from the other apostles and began to preach the first sermon on the first day of the church that Jesus, the only church, body of Christ, that Jesus ever gave birth to, ever built. Peter began to preach. And he said, they're not drunk like you think. Oh, they're intoxicated. Oh, they're happy. Oh, they're excited. And gee, it's not a Dolphins game. Oh, it's, it's, it's not a basketball game. Oh, amazing that men could actually get excited, jump up and down, and rejoice without bounds, and it not be a, a sports event. That Jesus had something more powerful and better and greater if anybody understands the center of your joy, if anybody understands your sensories, 
it's the God that created them. And brother, those men and those women were so excited that 17-plus nations, representatives, remarked and listened as Peter preached. And as Peter preached the first sermon, and he came to the end of it, they cried out and they said, what do we do? What do we do? What's the next step? We've heard what you said. You've convicted us. We're part of them that crucified the Christ. We killed the Prince of Life. That is his flesh. Amen. And then Peter said unto them, Now, boy, whatever he said, you better pay attention, I would think. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of the full pardon, forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's it in a nutshell. But those are the words of eternal life. That's, I met a woman one day at the, at the, I actually didn't quite meet her, but I saw her. She had a shirt on that said something about uh, eternal life. And I said, do you even know what eternal life is? And she turned around and she said, no, sir, what is it? And I said, it's the gift of the Holy Ghost. She said, okay. Bible is plain if you'll embrace conviction, if you'll set aside religious matters that matter little, and you'll embrace the things that in God's eyes matter a whole lot. It's a matter of life and death. I told um, my wife yesterday, I said, do you know that um, if God had done allowed, if he allowed, and would allow right now, what the fellow that, uh, he kept ignoring the witnessing of the church, he kept looking down and had too many other things to do, and, and he was successful, he fared sumptuously every day, he had fine clothes, he was uh, walking down the road. Lo and behold, like some we've known, he took his last step. Died of a heart attack or whatever, and keeled over. And when he woke up, he, his first consciousness after death, he was, he was in the wrong place, in that place called hell. He lifted up his eyes in hell, being in torment. Everything he should have had and done that mattered while he was on earth and had the opportunity that he didn't do, now he's wanting to do it. Now he wants to pray. Now he wants to express a burden. I have five 
Brethren, he said, send Lazarus back. The one that I'm looking that you're holding in your arms in heaven, and I can't go there. I'd like to. Now I want to go. The answer came back, well, you can't come from where you're at to where we're at. And neither can we come where we're at to where you're at. We don't want to anyway. And uh, he said, I got five brethren. He said, send Lazarus back and tell them not to come here. I told my wife, I said, do you realize that if God would allow that, if God would do that, and God could. God could do it if he wanted to do it. But the answer came back and said, no. Said they have Moses and the prophets. They, they have what I've provided. They have the word of God and the preaching. They, if I send somebody back from the dead, they're not going to believe it. And that's exactly right. That's what I told my wife. I said, do you realize that the only, if God did that, the only ones that would believe it would be those that are believers. The unbelievers would just keep right on going unbelieving. <laughs> I don't believe that. That's some trick of Hollywood or something. You know, they'd come up with something. And believe me, when the first, first resurrection, commonly referred to, unbiblical word, but nothing wrong with it, I guess, uh, rapture, first resurrection, takes place. They're going to explain that away. Of course, they're, they're going to have other things on their mind besides explaining away the first resurrection. They're going to be trying to figure out this thing called the wrath of God. That islands are moving and mountains are moving and everything's being turned topsy-turvy and stars are falling from heaven, bombarding the earth. Hail. Huge chunks of ice that are going to fall. Rivers and waters that are going to be turning to not only to blood, but to wormwood, bitter. Won't be able to drink it. Many, many things that are going to take place. They're going to have their hands full trying to cope with that and explain that away. To the point that the Bible said they're going to seek for death. They're going to want to die. They're going to want to die. While we have the opportunity, to learn what matters. We ought to make the most of it. We ought to make the most of it. I, it. And the Bible declares it is the grace of God. For by grace are you saved. That means that God has got a window of favor open, or a door, if you please, of favor open, and you can... You can be saved. You can be delivered. You can be born again. You can be changed. You can have the salvation of God. That can happen. Only believe. Believe what he's saying. What's he saying? What the Scripture says. He that believeth on me as the Scripture has said. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, 
in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In the days of his flesh, Jesus said, I'm going, and where I go, you can't come now. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I told you, you know, he, he knows how to put the good thing in your life. And he told him, he said, the Holy Ghost is coming, the Comforter is coming, the Spirit of Truth, the gift of eternal life. And as it's written in Romans 5 and 5, in teaching to the church, to those that were born again of water and spirit, he told them that the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, which he has given unto us. That's the only way you're going to experience the love of God, is by being filled, baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And everybody said praise the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. Don't reject this. This is what you, you want to embrace. This is what you want to say yes to. This, this matters. And, and all the things that the church teaches from Romans to Revelation, those things matter. They're not just words. It's not just subject matter to be ignored. It's for us to observe to believe, to obey, and so that we not only can, how many times have we said it, not only are we going to talk the talk, but we'll, it enables us to walk the walk, and that people can exclaim, you've really been changed. The things you wants to do, you don't do them anymore. Places you used to go, you don't go there anymore. Oh, man, there's been a not just a change, but a good change in you. A change for the good. That's what really repent ye therefore and be converted, Acts 3.19. Be changed, be converted. Let God take out the old heart and put in the new one. Let him give to you an experience that the Bible teaches that you'll have a common faith and a common salvation all the way back to the beginning when Jesus started the one and only church he ever built and sent it out into all the world. I'm not talking about the church house. I'm talking about the body of Christ, the body of believers. And that he sent that those body of believers. And they didn't stay in one place. He made sure they moved out among the rest of the people. They did, and the church continues to do so. It is universal. It is reaching everybody everywhere. And when this gospel of the kingdom has been preached to every nation, then shall the end come, Matthew 24, 14. Then shall the end come. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. God love your heart. Let's stand together, shall we? You know, the Bible even used the term false matter. There's good matter, there's evil matter, there's small matter, there's great matter, and there's, there's false matter. I want, I want the true matter. I want the truth. What did Jesus give to those early originals? 
I'm glad Peter didn't come down to the end of the sermon and have nothing to give to the people. But upon them asking, he told them. There was a lawyer in this town that was helping me draft some stuff and some of the words we had written down, Acts 2.38. And he told me, he said, you know, he said, that Acts 2.38, he said, that really says it concisely. Yes, it does. And that's what Jesus had Peter say on the first day. And it didn't end there. They kept on saying the same pattern, water and spirit. Baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and water, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Over and over again throughout the book of Acts, which is a history of the early original body of Christ in action as they went forth into all the world, preaching the gospel to every living creature. Everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Let's give God a big hand. Amen. Not only is there a false matter, but there's an evil matter. There's things we don't want to have anything to do with. We want to put those things not just behind us, but we want to put them under the blood. We want to get all of our sins, everything, completely forgiven, washed away, and remembered no more. It's nice that God said, I'm ready to pardon, ready to forgive. Yes. And he said, and I'm not going to remember it anymore. When God erases it or God deletes it, it's gone. Hey, he's better than the Internet then, isn't he? They tell me you put something on there and you can't never get rid of it. I'm glad my God knows how to take care of the bad stuff. Yeah. He said he'll put as far as east is from the west. But he also said he, he wouldn't remember it anymore. I'm, I'm very glad for that. God did a whole bunch of things that, they definitely needed to be forgotten. And I, I'm glad. And I'm glad that every day I can do what the book of Revelation teaches, and that is to repent and to overcome. Every day. Every day. Trying to sift out what doesn't matter. So that's what's left for me to consider and do is what does matter. Yeah. That's what I want to be about. Let's be about this great salvation. Let's be about our Father's business. And everybody said amen. amen. Why don't you take a moment with me and lift your Thank heart you. with your hands and let us pray together. Thank you, dear God. You're so holy. We love you, Jesus, and we need your help. Every day we need your help. Oh, God, touch our hearts. Oh, God, strengthen our minds. Help us to focus. Help us to embrace the matter that matters. Oh, God, I give you praise. I give you glory. I'm looking to you this very morning, this very second. And I thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to have the truth of the Scriptures among billions of people that you would allow me, oh, God, to have this truth. I know you love everybody everywhere, and I know you want everybody to be saved, and I do too, Lord. No matter who they are, no matter where they're from, matter color of skin or language that they speak, or island that they come from. Whether densely populated or rural, God, it makes no difference. I want everybody 
to come to the knowledge of the truth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's sing and worship the Lord. I'm chasing after you no matter what I have to do. No matter what. 